more session we have with Mary, my beloved spouse, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> Most fittingly, the gospel for this last Sunday of the church here deals with the last things, the events regarding the end of the world and Christ's second coming in glory when that last trumpet will sound. Matthew 24, which is our gospel today, is kind of a mini-apocalypse, a summation of what is contained in that last book of the Bible. And actually, Christ's words are a prophecy with a double fulfillment. The events that will precede the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD by those Jews who or for those Jews, I should say, who rejected Christ. It was the Romans who destroyed the temple. They rejected Christ, their savior, and then rebelled against the Romans. The Romans came and wiped them out. And also, they are fulfilled with the events preceding Christ's second coming at the end of the world. The destruction of the temple in 70 AD and the events leading up to this event are really, say, a microcosm or a miniature version of what will happen at the end of times. <clears throat> Jesus foretells a number of things, but his apostles asked him, what, what, what will be the sign before these things happen? And Jesus says there will be false Christs, false prophets, and in fact, these did come before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. This is one of the reasons why the Jews thought they were right in rebelling against the Romans and their rule. And these false Christs and false prophets have come throughout the history of the church to mislead many and to, to lead away from, from the flock those who follow them. We can think throughout history of people like Muhammad, even the so-called Protestant reformers who really broke away from the church. These were all false prophets. We've had them in more recent times. Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormons, Sun Young Moon. These are false prophets as well. And the false Christs, false prophets will proliferate, especially as the end of the world approaches. And these will culminate in one man who is the greatest deceiver after Satan himself, on whom St. John in his first epistle calls the Antichrist, and whom St. Paul in Second, Second, Second Thessalonians calls the son of perdition and the man of sin. However, earlier in Matthew 24, Jesus speaks of the things that must come to pass before the Antichrist will make his appearance. Jesus speaks of wars between nation and nation, kingdom against kingdom, pestilences, famines, earthquakes. He says these are the beginnings of the sorrows, of the labor pains. Interesting that from about the 1990s, we've seen a great increase in these natural disasters. You have many saying that this is you know, global warming or whatever, but you know, God, I'm sure, is giving us some signs. And St. Paul in 2 Thessalonians says that before the man of sin, the son of perdition, 
the Antichrist comes, who will lead many astray, there must be a great apostasy, a great falling away from the true faith. Why is this? Well, because this will prepare for people to follow uh, a false Christ, this Antichrist. Once people have fallen away from the true faith, they will be ripe for the picking, so to speak. They will be easily deceived. And <clears throat> man is religious by nature and uh, seeks some type of, of religious fulfillment. Uh, the Antichrist will come at a time when many have rejected the truth and are still searching for something because that's our nature. He will mislead many, deceive many. And the fathers of the great saints in the church tell us that the reign of this Antichrist will be three and a half years. It will mirror Christ's public preaching for, for his public life. And the Antichrist will be given total power throughout the world. It's probably never been able to be fulfilled in until today, someone could actually have total economic, political, and finally religious power throughout the world, one, one man. And the saints who have commented on, on the Antichrist uh, say that the persecution will be so great during the years of his reign, the Antichrist's reign, that the mass will not be offered publicly anywhere in the world. Church will go underground, as you say, and this will be the age of martyrs as well. Uh, many martyrs. St. Louis de Montfort, in his great work, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, says that the greatest saints will appear, and this will be a great Marian age. Uh, to quote him here, he says, The formation and education of the great saints who will appear at the end of the world are reserved to the Blessed Virgin Mary. At the end of that three and a half years, Jesus Christ will put an end to the reign of the Antichrist. Saint Paul describes this in 2 Thessalonians, he will come with the breath of his mouth and destroy him, this man of sin. And then Christ will come shortly thereafter. <clears throat> the resurrection of the dead, the final judgment takes place. But that, that final great persecution under the Antichrist will be preceded by other forms of persecution of the faithful, I'm, I'm convinced of it, probably economic, that those who are faithful will be, be punished in regard to jobs, employment, uh, educational opportunities, health insurance. If you don't go along with the program, so to speak, it will be a very difficult time. People will have to remain faithful and rely on the grace of God. <clears throat> the Catechism of the Catholic Church is instructive. There are two good paragraphs I'll read here which deal with uh, this theme that our readings deal with today. 675 from the Catechism. The heading is the Church's ultimate trial. And it says this, before Christ's second coming, the Church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity the form of a religious deception offering man an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the 
truth. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist, a pseudo or false messianism by which man glorifies himself in place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. The saints talk about how the Antichrist will want to have finally worship of himself. The temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. So, <clears throat> 677 in the Catechism says the church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through this final Passover when she will follow her Lord in his death and resurrection. The kingdom will be fulfilled then not by a historic triumph of the church to a progressive ascendancy as if things will get better and better. Oh no, but only by God's victory over the final unleashing of evil, which will cause his bride to come down from heaven, as John describes in the Apocalypse, chapter 20, I think it is. God's triumph over the revolt of evil, says the Catechism, will take the form of the Last Judgment after the final cosmic upheaval of this past world. Sounds pretty awesome and, and uh, even frightening. But John Paul II, uh, in his general audience of August 20th, 1986, gave a number of audience addresses on the last times. He said, as the end of the struggle eventually draws nearer, it becomes, in a sense, ever more violent, as the book of Revelation shows. But, you know, the struggle will finish with the definitive victory of the good, he says. And this is our hope. In the end, the ultimate victory is ours. We know that the victory is ours in the end. Our immac Mary's Immaculate Heart will triumph, as she said at Fatima, provided that we persevere, we remain faithful. And we must keep our eyes and hearts fixed on the ultimate goal of heaven and realize that if we remain faithful, God will give us the grace to stand before kings and even if the Antichrist for life when he comes in, give a witness to him. Let us pray that we may remain strong in these times and remain vigilant as Jesus warns us. We must be vigilant, awake, and be, be prepared, not be caught like the foolish virgins without oil, okay, without sanctifying grace in our souls. Let us turn to Mary too. She um, is prophesied at the very beginning of the Bible as the one who will crush the serpent's head. If we remain close to her, our spiritual mother, we too will join in the crushing of the head of Satan and all the evildoers at the end of time and enjoy the fullness of 